Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm BizTimes managing editor Arthur Thomas, and I'm joined on this week's episode by BizTimes editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how are you doing? Great. It's been a busy week, but uh should be a fun weekend, so doing good. It's one of those weeks where just every time we turn around, more news happening. Yeah, man. Well, we'll dive right in to our Insider Story Spotlight. Uh, this is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that were available only to BizTimes Insiders. If you are already an insider, uh, thank you. We really appreciate the support. It helps make our work possible, and we are grateful for that. Uh, if you're not an insider already, uh, consider subscribing. Uh, go to biztimes.com, click on the subscribe button, and for the equivalent of $8 a month, uh, you'll get access to all of our stories discounted registration to some of our events and other benefits. So please consider that. Andrew, what was your insider story spotlight this week? I had a story this week about Twin Disc in Racine, manufacturer in Racine, selling its corporate headquarters to um, Milwaukee real estate development firm J. Jeffers & Co. Jeffers, uh, founded, really run by Josh Jeffers, uh, has done a lot, has been an extremely active developer in recent years in Milwaukee. Uh, both with new building projects, but also um, several um, historic building redevelopment projects, including the Milwaukee Athletic Club most recently. Um, but he's been increasingly doing projects in Racine. This will be his third. And the, the Twin Disc uh, headquarters is an interesting opportunity. He bought it for th- a little over $3 million. It's a 182,000 square foot building. It's obviously manufacturing space, but also office space. It'll be interesting to see what it does with it. So you've covered Twindisk a lot and know what's been going on with the company. Yeah. I mean, they're they're a company that has ups and downs. They're kind of connected into the oil and gas uh, industry in a lot of ways. And so when the price of oil is high, uh, they make power transmission equipment that gets used in that, in the, the drilling for oil and uh, exploration, things like that. And so when the cost of oil is high, um, their customers want to drill and want to explore. And so there's a lot of demand. Um, and when it's low, they they ride the downswing. Over the course of the pandemic, they kind of took a look at their office space needs and how remote work worked for them. And it worked well enough that they kind of looked at it and said, you know, we don't need all of this space. We can consolidate folks out at our um, facility on 21st Street, I believe it is, um, a little further west in Racine. And so they're, you know, able to get everyone in there or have people work remote or in other facilities. And so this building became kind of a, you know, an excess asset for them. They didn't need it necessarily. And so it'll be interesting to see how it gets redeveloped. It's right, you know, in the same neighborhood as SC Johnson's main campus down in Racine. Um, so yeah, I think that's an interesting possibility. Be curious to see what kind of uses they come up with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my insider story spotlight uh, is focused in on uh, Punchbowl Social in Milwaukee, which appears uh, to be now reopening just in time for the NCAA tournament being in Milwaukee. Punchbowl Social is one of those stories we've been following a lot, like many restaurants shut down at the onset of the pandemic. Unlike many restaurants, uh, was not able to really reopen I think they may have opened for one day last fall, but it hadn't reopened. A lot of that owed to uh, bankruptcy 
case involving its parent company um, and then the who you know the entities that bought the assets of the company and uh, who owned what there was a lot of debate uh, in the, the court proceedings over you know whether uh, bowling pin uh, setting machines uh-huh. count as uh, fixtures or not and what you know who owns the bowling balls who owns the shoes who owns the shoe rack um, there's a bunch of disputes over you know all kinds of stuff like that uh, seems like it finally got settled and um, they're able to open up um, in time for the NCAA tournament, which is exciting because it wasn't open last summer when there were thousands and thousands of people down at the Deer District. Yeah, it, 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 was such a sh- it was such a shame last year to see that place still closed when so many people were coming down for the Bucks run to the championship. And you just thought, man, what a what a wasted opportunity. And you know, with, with the rest of the Deer District doing well, but that one vacancy really stood out and was something that needed to be addressed. So it's good to see it finally is. And yeah, it's like, wow, now it's open in time for the NCAA tournament this weekend. And then the upcoming Bucks playoff run, it'll be raring to go. So that should be great. Definitely. Well, we'll turn then to our big story of the week. And it's a bit of a sad one. Michael Cudahy, probably one of the most prominent entrepreneurs and philanthropists in Milwaukee over the last several decades, for sure, died March 11th at the age of 97. Uh, A significant passing in the Milwaukee business community. Uh, For those who may not be familiar, he founded uh, Marquette Electronics in the 1960s and grew that business to close to $600 million in, in revenue and ended up selling to GE Healthcare in the late nineties. Uh, and so that alone is a significant story and career right there. Just building this, this healthcare um, equipment business to what it was, but then there's a whole kind of second act in a lot of ways uh, where he was a significant philanthropist in the Milwaukee community. Um, probably most notably his work with in building and growing discovery world. Um, but many other projects that we'll touch on here in a minute. So uh, any thoughts there, Andrew, on, on the passing of Michael Cudahy? Well, obviously very sad. I, I feel um, privileged that I had the opportunity to to meet him. Um, when One of my first cover stories that I did here um, when, I, when I started working for, for, Biz, for Biz Times Milwaukee was a cover story about Michael and what he was doing with Discovery World. He was pushing that project at the time. Uh, the project was running in the controversy over its design. Uh, the original design uh, was wrongly criticized. So people thought some people thought it was too similar or was kind of a knockoff of the Milwaukee Art Museum, um, and that problem was eventually solved with a new design. And of course, it's it's been there for years. But Michael was in the middle of that. He was the that project's biggest backer financially and publicly, and, and so it was fun to meet him. But he was. You know, he was a real, just a character, just a real Milwaukee character, um, you know, and an incredible career as an entrepreneur and an innovator to create an enormously successful company, but then to become a huge, uh, his philanthropic activity and supporting so many different things. But he, he was out there in, in the public and he had strong opinions about things and he cared deeply about Milwaukee. He clearly just loved the city with all of his heart and soul and wanted to do things to make it make it a better community 
And he just was a guy who wasn't afraid to tell you what he thought and be very blunt and be very, very funny. And so a, a tremendous personality and an incredible life. And it's a huge, huge loss for, for Milwaukee. Definitely. So he's one of the people uh, we recognized in the past at our Bravo IQ Awards, part of our Biz Expo event uh, with the Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, that was in 2013. And uh, there was a, a program you know, with that. We, and uh, former Biz Times executive editor, Steve Jagler, uh, interviewed him on stage. I think we actually got a bit of uh, audio from that that we want to share with you here. Uh, the first voice you can hear is, uh, is Steve Jagler uh, asking him a question. So Go as, a, as a child, I'm, I'm told that you were Gary Grunow in, for the interview for this most recent story. Uh, he said Michael Cudahy has always been a tinkerer. He never is uh, content with the way things are. He, he always wants to explore. That led to really what became Marquette Electronics, didn't it? You, That's that, correct. That kind of sense of invention? Yeah. Well, I'm often credited with all kinds of inventions. I didn't really. Well, there were a few inventions in that operation. But generally speaking, what happened was... Um, my partner, Warren Cousins, and I wanted to go into the manufacturing business. And so we were snooping around all over the place. And we happened to come upon a couple of doctors at Northwestern University Medical School. And they were looking for a central electrocardiograph system. Everybody in here, I think, knows what an electrocardiograph is. I hope you do. And uh, Hewlett Packard was asked uh, if they would do it, and they said no. And then there was the Cambridge Instruments. Uh, they were asked, and they said, well, we'll look at it for $100,000. But we were stupid enough, we said, we'll do it. I would have to admit to you that I didn't even know at that point what an electrocardiograph was. <laughs> But we did it anyway, and it took about a year, and we delivered a system to Northwestern University, and that just set off the whole Marquette Electronics. The system worked very poorly. I spent probably the next year of my life underneath the console, tinkering around with a soldering iron trying to fix it, but we got it working, and from there, Marquette was born. All right. So coming back from that, Andrew, you know, uh, you hear Michael Cudahy, you know, described as a tinkerer and kind of his journey to to getting Marquette Electronics off the ground. What do you make of that? You know, in in many ways, it's it's a classic entrepreneur type of story and and, and a story of innovation. And it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, it's, it's the great American success story. And it's something Milwaukee needs more of. And Milwaukee has a great history of you know, of companies that were created by tinkerers like Michael Cudahy. I mean, you look at Harley Davidson was started that way. Johnson Controls um, and many others, frankly, were, you know, engineers who were trying to create something and, and, and create and, and came up with, with a great idea and an enormously successful business. And, and that was, you know, I, I just find it amazing to, hear Michael talking about 
um, having a soldering iron and just kind of spending a year underneath the hood, essentially of this, this device that, uh, that they didn't know how to make and didn't even know what it was at first, but kept working on it until he got it right. Mm-hmm. And, and then that became an enormous success from that. So that's just a, it's an amazing business story and, and you'd love to see more of that. You'd love to see more easier said than done, but uh, yeah, that's what, where you say kudos to the entrepreneurs and innovators out there who are trying to, to be the next Michael Cudahy. He is an inspiration for, for the next generation of, 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 of business people in this community. Yeah. I think the interesting part is the, the, uh, the businessman sales side of it, of the, we don't know, but we'll figure it out and we'll make, you know, grow a business out of it there. And then also, you know, to some extent that kind of serving your customer piece of it, of spending the next year under a desk, uh, you know, tinkering around with it to to make it work the way it it needs to work. Definitely a lot to consider there Uh, that in that, uh, interview they went on to address i think it's like the, the 10 uh, michael cudahy rules for business we'll plan to share that next week um as a biz times podcast so look for that uh the the philanthropic side of everything he did we talked a little bit about discovery world um but i think that it added up 160 some million donated uh, i believe it was years. 165 million dollars um i think that was in his official obituary that he donated to community causes. So just an incredible, obviously selling the company to GE gave him the opportunity to, to do that. And it's, it's amazing how he touched so many different areas of the community discovery world being, you know, a huge project that, that he was front and center supporting financially and, and, and pushing for publicly. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to think of Discovery World. First of all, I can remember as a kid going to the original Discovery World at the Milwaukee Public Museum, or, or no, I'm sorry, before that at the uh, the Central Library in downtown Milwaukee. That's at first where it was, and I remember going there, and it was really cool. Um, just these hands-on science exhibits um, that that was there, and then it. it it outgrew that space, and then it was at the Milwaukee Public Museum. It was kind of a part of that same complex, and um, and then you know Michael, being just a longtime supporter of it, pushed for a whole new building. It needed its own building, its own place on the lakefront. He wanted a prominent location for it. Um, you know, there, there was controversy, like I said before, over the design, but that was that was figured out, and um, that's a huge legacy that that he leaves. But that was just one of many things he did um, that was involved in. He was a supporter of the Milwaukee Art Museum and 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 that that project. Um, huge supporter of education, um, including you know including Marquette and UWM and MSOE. Donated millions of dollars to the Boys and Girls Clubs, to the YMCA, and a huge thing he did was he took on the Paps Theater, this tremendous historic theater in Milwaukee. First, he donated some money to create an expansion that I think was known as the Cudahy Gardens, which was, you know, sort of an, a, an adjacent area, you know, kind of for, for food and beverage before or after a show or during intermission or whatever. Um, but then he 
bought the the building. It was fascinating. He bought it for a dollar, which I know there were questions. Why is this wealthy person going to buy this theater, this historic building for a dollar? It was actually sold, I believe, by the city. I think the city owned it. And it was sold, and he bought it for a dollar, which kind of looked like a giveaway. But really, he was taking on this project to take this historic gem of the community and restore it and and bring it back to life. I think for so long, the Pabst Theater had been the place you go to watch the Christmas Carol every year. But it didn't really have much of a presence the rest of the year in the city. And, you know, Michael... um, you know, putting his heart and soul into the the Paps Theater, bringing on Gary Witt to to run it, and then creating an entity then that that included um, the Riverside Theater and Turner Hall and all of that. Those those venues now are extremely busy hosting numerous entertainers throughout the year, and that has dramatically transformed downtown Milwaukee's entertainment scene. So, so his contribution to uh, downtown's entertainment side via the Pabst Theater is amazing. And, and, and that will be a, a strong lasting legacy for him. Yeah. And think about just all these different things and it kind of gets to, you know, why it matters that we have entrepreneurs in the city, why it matters that we have, companies grow in the city and companies based in the city and have a presence and be involved and all of those things. Um, because there's so much that goes into the fabric of a city, um, beyond what government can do alone, but beyond what a, you know, a business on its own does alone. Um, sometimes you need people to step up to the plate and move things forward. And I know there's lots of people in later generations that are involved, but uh, it's hard not to think that, you know, uh, when someone of this stature passes, that does create a bit of a hole in the community. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, you just, there's only one Michael Cudahy and he's, he's, he's really irreplaceable, but you know, every, yeah, every time you lose someone like this, you think back to Joe Zilber, Jane Bradley Pettit. Um, you know, every time you lose one of these figures, it's, 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 it's devastating just to lose, you know, incredible people, but also the, the the enormous contributions that they made to the community, and um, it will it will be up to the next next generation to see who steps up and fills those fills those shoes. I, I have no doubt there are um, amazing individuals in in the community that are capable of doing that, and we, we will see we will see them rise. But um, the loss of people like Michael Cudahy is is, is, is deeply felt. And it's a, it's a big chapter of, of Milwaukee that, uh, that ends, you know? Well, we will leave it there on this week's edition of the biz times MKE podcast weekly debrief. We'll talk to you again next week, hopefully with uh, some better news to discuss. Absolutely. This is Dan Meyer with biz times media. You've been listening to the biz times MKE podcast For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.